0: minimum balance required.
1: And now it's time for a deep South legend that's been keeping it real here in Atlanta for over two decades. It's the Buck Baloo Show, only on The Fan.
2: And welcome to the Buck Baloo Show here on The Fan, 680 and 93.7. We are streaming at 680thefan.com. Get that fan mobile app driven by Beaver Toyota of Coming. And listen, crystal clear, regardless of where you might be. Beaver Direct, fastest and easiest way to shop online for your next vehicle. And the 10 o'clock hour brought to you by our great friends at Dupree Plumbing. Hey man, go with the plumber I trust and score $50 off your next plumbing service at DupreePlumbing.com. DT in the house. Ready to get to work as our fine engineer and producer today, right? we got Road Dog over in Athens getting ready for the Kirby Smart Press Conference. Coming up in a little bit here on the fan. We are the home of the Braves and the sports talk home of the Georgia Bulldogs. Home of the Yellow Jackets. And we'll be talking about the dogs and the jackets on the show today. As well as the Atlanta Braves. But as you know, I'm a golf lover and so we're going to start right there today. Bucks, Big. take. It was a disaster. Epic fail. And it starts with disgraceful leadership with the American team. And that falls on Zach Johnson. American Ryder Cup team got destroyed on European soil again. Shut and the team us. captain was determined to lead with a buddy ball approach. The buddy ball culture in roster management. You know, I sort of equate this to what we see around here in Metro Atlanta and youth uh, sports is the daddy ball. I know I see a lot of it up and coming. The daddy ball. Well, this is buddy ball, was Zach Johnson. With his six captain's picks, Johnson led with a comfort and companionship culture which failed miserably. He basically allowed his six qualifiers to determine who the six captain's picks would be. So he selected Justin Thomas, who had missed five of nine cuts and couldn't break 80 in the two opens. Why? He was Spee's buddy. Sam Burns was Scheffler's buddy. Fowler was everybody's buddy. Morakawa fit that mold, too. Those four picks win a combined three nine and four at the Ryder Cup in Rome. Zach Johnson passed on a red-hot Lucas Glover, an ultra-competitive Keegan Bradley, and a tough-as-nails Cam Young. He also passed on world-class Americans Dustin Johnson and Bryson DeSambo. Why? Well, because they weren't as popular as the guys he ended up taking. The result? We got boat raced, Now, I'm sure Zach Johnson in the coming days will defend his selections and talk about how the analytics influenced his decision-making. But the poor leadership did not stop with the selection process. He used poor judgment on preparation, pairings, and even in-match club selection. If I was Spieth, I'd have told him to go over there and stand and uh, keep his mouth shut. Best I can tell, Zach Johnson was one of the worst American captains in Ryder Cup history. He didn't even have the guts to call the deserving players who did not make the cut. Buddy Ball failed miserably. And for those of you wondering, Blue, what, you, what would you have done? Well, I'll tell you what I would have done. I would have selected the six most deserving players and told the qualifiers to man up and quit worrying about who they were going to play with. Toughen up. Being soft is simply not an option. And there's your big take as we get started today. Too harsh, DT?
3: Uh, no, it was a, it was certainly a disappointing uh, performance, and Buck. Yeah, you're right. Um, some of these captains' picks obviously didn't work out, and if it weren't for Max <laughs> Holman and all
2: these other guys, it would have been even worse. Well, look at Rom Hovland and Rory, the top three players for the European team. They go nine two and three. Scheffler oh, 02 and two. He was our best player. It's disappointing to see him drop that. Uh, he drop got that beat match nine, John, and yeah. nine and seven on Saturday. Nine and seven. I mean, I beat Kincaid in match play over in Alabama with a nine and seven score. Farm Links, that was a good memory. Spieth o two and two, and how about Fowler conceding the winning putt? That was shocking and very disappointing. Yeah. Shaflay one and three, Morikawa one and three, Sam Burns one and two. Thank goodness Homa and my man Brian Harmon showed up. Cantley even, you know, made a little bit of noise. What'd you make of all the controversy, too, about the uh, Cantlay sitting on the other side of the locker room separating himself, a little upset that the Ryder Cup players don't get paid to participate? He said that was false. He said, and, I, and this is another damning thing, too. Cantley said that was garbage, that report that he was mad they're not getting paid. He didn't wear a hat because the hats didn't fit. Now, if you can't order hats that fit the team, how do you think you're going to beat the Europeans? Apparently, you can't even order hats that fit. Apparently that was the
3: case in the President's Cup or uh, last year, a year, couple years ago. So apparently Patrick just has a weird head,
2: I guess. All I right, know. I feel better. Yeah. I feel better. He said
3: that was overblown. I think there might be a little bit something there, especially when uh, talking mean, my about goodness, the, the payment. goodness, if you can't order
2: hats that fit, but he how didn't, do you expect to win the golf
3: tournament? He didn't so much straight up deny the whole getting paid thing. He just kind of danced around that. So I think there was something there. But if anything, I don't think it affected the team. If anything, it kind of
2: galvanized uh, the well, Americans. And You know, kinda, to me, in yeah. a word, we're soft. That's what we are. Soft. And hatless. And it starts at the top. So I'm glad I was able to get that out. Now let's talk a little Atlanta Braves baseball, man, as we head to the postseason. Thank goodness for the Atlanta Braves. I was just
3: about to say, after this whole weekend around I here, mean, bud, really, thank God we have the Braves.
2: Uh, yeah, and we got the dog coming. I was really proud of Georgia and their victory over at Jordan-Hare. Uh, Braves, time to prep for the postseason run, which I hope we're going to get a postseason run here. Because if we don't, it's talk about an epic fail. My goodness, best team in baseball. We finished 104 and 58. Isn't that glorious? Wasn't that fun? That regular season was awesome. I mean, we're setting records left and right. We got Acuna setting records. We got Olsen setting records. We got Strider setting records. I mean, basically, the whole team was setting records. So that was a lot of fun. Now you switch the focus, and the focus now is you got to find a way to win 11 postseason games. 11. You need 11 victories to celebrate another World Series championship. So how are you going to get there? The challenge is, is you're going to have to beat the Phillies and the LDS. I'm going to go ahead and pencil them in. I'd be stunned if the Marlins got through them. Then you've got to beat the Dodgers and the LCS. Then you've got to beat the Orioles or the Astros or whoever it is representing the American League in the World Series. All right, step one. Step one, and we talked about this last week, preparation. You've got to sit down and you've got to wait for this wild card thing to take place. So you're going to have five days off. What are you going to do with it? Well, I love the Braves plan. I think the the new plan they've got this year is the way to go about your business. Uh, The new plan, you're going to have three intra-squad scrimmage games on uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So you're going to have good versus good. You're going to have Strider facing Riley. You're going to have uh, Iglesias facing Olson. So it's the best way to stay sharp heading into the LDS. This is way better than the guys showing up and practicing. You know, the old, we're going to take some batting practice, and then we're going to go out and take infield. That is no way to get ready and stay sharp for the LDS. So I love what the Braves are doing uh, in preparation For the postseason, now look. The key. Let me go ahead and tell you what the key is going to be to a World Series run. I'll be disappointed, really disappointed, if we don't make it to the World Series. And I'm not sitting here demanding that we're going to win the World Series, but at least get us there. Give us that thrill of being in the run, having an opportunity to win the World Series again. And to do that, folks, we're going to have to pitch. You can't rely on the offense to go out and score eight runs a game. That is regular season baseball.
1: I mean, that's just the way we roll here.
2: In the postseason, you got to pitch, man. You got to pitch. You can't rely on those guys scoring eight runs a game and hitting three, four bombs. The key will be Freed and Strider locking the opponent down. The key will be our high-leverage bullpen guys locking down the opponent. That's going to be the key. We got to pitch. Let's hear from Olsen talking about, well, the great regular season, but he's got his his eye on something else.
0: It was a good... Total season, um, won a bunch of games, had some you know, personal achievements on the way. But like I said, uh, we're all back to zero now, you know, and, and that's the fun part. Um, you know, we got to we got to come into the playoffs and, and play the same caliber of baseball and uh, hopefully uh, continue to, to move on. And, and we want to be uh, holding the trophy at the end.
2: Well, I tell you, Olsen, his uh, demeanor never seems to change. I mean, he is so calm. Whether it be in a critical situation or just a situation where the game won, he seems to be the same guy all the time. And congratulations on a wonderful season. I've said it once. I'm going to say it again. Great job by Anthopolis and his staff. Once Freeman decided he was going to be a Dodger, he was going elsewhere, that they didn't hesitate to pull the trigger. They got the one and only guy that could come in and replace Freddie Freeman here in Atlanta. And that's Matt Olson. Let's hear from Snit talking about uh, the Phillies, the Marlins, who it is they're going to face in that first LDS. You know, playing both of those teams 26 times, you know, and this just seems like we just got done playing the Phillies. And what Miami's done has been, you know, really cool for what they've fought through. Yeah, you know, uh, Skip's first year, he did a great job. Yeah, yeah, great job. Hey, the 680, the fan, man, we're going to have you covered from pregame to the last pitch and from Truist Park with all things postseason as the NLDS gets it started for us. So tune in all week as 680 The Fan covers your World Series champion Atlanta Braves from pregame to the final out and from Truist Park. Join the 680 The Fan team for the Ford Leadoff Show All uh, for all the play-by-play and postgame coverage. If you're uh, lucky enough to have a ticket to the game, enjoy that. Uh, look for 680 to be all over the battery as we broadcast live All your world championship coverage for the NLDS is sponsored by our good friends at Truist. Man, I can't wait for this to get underway. It's a marathon of a season, and then boom, it can be over with so quick. And just continue to hope that our Braves are going to take us on a fun ride here. Join 680 The Fan and Terrapin's Los Bravos Beer this Wednesday starting at 11 a.m. as we broadcast live all day from Hooters on Cobb Parkway at Cumberland for the start of the baseball postseason. This is uh, sort of a uh, postseason tradition for us at 680 The Fan, going to Hooters there in Cumberland. We're going to be live. Uh, well, I won't be, but Nick and Chris will be live. Chuck and Turnoff are going to be live. Uh, you got 643 with Dylan and Wiley. They're going to be live. The promo team's going to be hanging out. We're going to pitch a 10. I think those guys are going to sleep over there, as a matter of fact. So... uh going to have some great giveaways throughout the day including a pair of postseason baseball tickets so be with us on wednesday hooters on cobb parkway from 11 a.m to 9 p.m the postseason starts at hooters again a tradition for us here at 680 the fan all right coming up next we're going to look back at that dog's escape over at auburn and boy, some. Shocking things going down at Tech. We'll dive into that, too. Hey, man, you got the Baloo Show here on the fan, 680 and 93.7.
4: Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com john. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC.
1: Woo! Woo! Buck show here on the fan 680
2: and 937. Are we being too loud on a Monday morning? I'm just saying, I love that tune. Always have, man. Good old time Southern Rock and Roll. Hopefully your week's off to a good start. Traffic wasn't too bad today, or maybe I left a little earlier. Coming off fall break too, brother. So uh, it was a little tough getting the boys up this morning, getting them off to high school. I got used to sleeping in a little bit. I got used to the traffic not being too bad, but I thought it was okay today, man. Yes, sir, it was a little better today. All right, uh, DT, let's talk some Georgia-Auburn game. Give me a little Bulldog, some bulldog right here. Now, I know I picked the Bulldogs to cover. Told you uh, last week that this game wouldn't be close. Uh, I was wrong on that one. Now, I knew going in there might be a chance that, uh, you know, something crazy might happen over at Auburn. You hear that from time to time, you know. It gets a little crazy over there Jordan Hare. Crazy things happen. Bulldogs, though, I think got better in a game like that than maybe going over and winning 30-7. to 7. Love that. That lifts my spirits every time. That red coat band's awesome. So the dogs escape Auburn, and it wasn't a blowout, but I believe you get better playing in games like that. First road game of the season. So a new experience for a lot of these younger Bulldogs. Going into a hostile environment, you get hit in the face. How are you going to respond? Well, I thought they did a good job responding. I'm going to start with defense. And normally, look, as an ex-quarterback, I'm starting with offense. And I want to apologize for that. I respect good defense, too. You're not going to win without it. And certainly, Georgia, over the two-year national title run, has been playing as good a defense as anybody in the country, if not the best defense in the country. But the defense, uh, you know, I think generically you've probably realized uh, reading the coverage and watching the game, as a fan you realize Georgia had some problems stopping defending the running game. Georgia gave up 219 yards rushing. Bulldogs gave up five yards of carry. And a little bit shocking, if you're a Bulldog fan, seeing that happen. But I'm going to dive a little deeper than just they had trouble stopping the run. Because I'm going to say they did a poor job of containing. They did a really poor job, whoever's playing on the edge. And their responsibility is not to allow the runners to get outside. They did a really poor job of that. The edge defenders got blocked or they were out of position. And I'm just going to say, look, you got to credit Hugh Freeze on some of this. And as I understand it, it was the first time all year Hugh Freeze took over the play calling. So give Freeze credit. He's an offensive guru over there. You had to figure he was going to have some really good concepts. And did a good job of making these edge defenders Get out of position so they could get outside and run the football. I think it's just too uh, easy to say, well, Georgia defensive line, they gave up 220 yards rushing. And that's not really the truth. To me, I think it was on guys like Marvin Jones Jr., who got bullied around. And I didn't see him playing at the end of the game, so they got him off. Chaz Chambliss. Even Smile Mondon found himself out of position, even though he did have 11 tackles in the game. So to me, that was the issue, was defending the run on the edge. Georgia did a really poor job of that. And I bet Schumann and Kirby and Muschamp, they're all uh, busy trying to get that corrected because, look, Kentucky's going, they going to run the football too. And freeze also doing a nice job of getting those running backs involved, uh, especially Thorne, who is not the runner. He's the passer. And I keep uh, getting that memory in my head of Thorne just sprinting down the field wide open before they ran his butt down. Yeah, that
3: That's when the contain comes in yeah. in there, Buck. They were clearly were you know kind of pinching down, trying to stop an inside run. No contain. It's because, I think, if, when we looked at if there was going to be a running quarterback in this game, it was going to be Ashford, right? And they really took advantage of uh,
2: – of Thorne on the ground and that's yeah, where a big chunk of those rushing yards come from too quarterbacks Thorne and ashford 16 carries for 125 yards Ooh. so most of the run game came from that one long sprint and then the quarterbacks being involved in the run game but i tell you what george i bet this week they're going to be working hard on edge defenders not getting blocked and being in the right position if there's one thing that'll get you beat is your edge defenders out there allowing running backs to get to the outside and where that green grass is? It makes it way too easy, Buck. Yeah, I mean, especially with the runners you're going to be facing in
3: the SEC. That's 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 like taking candy from a baby for these guys.
2: All right, let's talk about the Bulldog offense for a little bit. Uh, again, it got a little slow uh, getting untracked. Georgia fans a little annoyed by that. Uh, possession one, they had that third down and two. And Edwards got stuffed around midfield, and they ended up punting. I I was thinking maybe going for it right there. I mean, you're at midfield. You've relied on the defense for two years to get the job done. A little surprised Kirby didn't go for it there. Maybe they didn't have a play they really believed in that early in the game. Uh, You know, a lot of talk about the turnovers being a problem. And look, I'm just going to say Carson Beck, uh, he and Bobo rescued this team. And I know Bowers is getting all the credit, but I think you need to credit Bobo and Beck for delivering uh, in this game also. The Beck interception, that, that was not a poor uh, read or a poor throw by Carson Beck. He uh, put the ball on the money and you had a defender make a play on the ball. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to have to fit it in some of these tight spots if you're going to throw, advance the ball down the field. And so I thought he made a good throw, good decision. That DB ended up stealing the ball from the Georgia receiver. I'm going to put that on the Georgia receiver, although I think that DB got there a little early. And that the other, could be the, pass interference. The Delp fumble is what, what sticks out. Yeah, and that's what I was getting to next here is the Delp fumble to start the second half was uh, put Georgia in harm's way. And, look, I'm not going to sit here and criticize Oscar Delft. I'm, I'm a big uh, fan of what I've seen him do, both at the high school level and the player he can be at the college level. But this is part of the growing process for a young player. Got to hold on to that football, man. I mean, you can't let him strip it out of there. That really hurt Georgia and put them in harm's way as they came out of the locker room in the second half. Came out of the locker room. They were going to dominate the second half. Boom. You lay the ball on the ground. Auburn goes three plays for a touchdown. The, the crowd goes crazy. You see those Tigers over there dancing on the sideline. And at that point, you knew the dogs were in trouble. So that hurt also. I did like the, the way they responded, though. Again, Georgia found themselves down early in the game 10 to nothing. And so what they do? Well, they went on an 11-play, 56-yard touchdown drive. That was uh, third down and seven at the 15-yard line. You had Beck hit Rah-Rah Thomas for a gain of 10 yards that set up that touchdown in the red zone. Great job there. Uh, then you get the ball back, and you drive 10 plays for 61 yards, and you get a field goal. You had Edwards with a long run. You had Lovett with a, a pass reception. Uh, Rosemee Jack Saint with a close to a 30-yard reception. So you tie the game up. You've got to be feeling good going into halftime tied at 10. And then you laid the ball on the dirt to start the second half. Now you're up against it again. The crowd's involved. You got the Tigers waving towels and dancing on the sideline. So how are you going to respond? Well, at the end of the third quarter, you had Georgia go on a 10-play, 98-yard touchdown drive. And you had Carson Beck delivering In a big, big way. There was some unknown about Beck coming into this one. Had not been a starter on the road in the SEC in a hostile environment. And you saw Carson Beck step up and deliver big time. So many clutch third down throws, completions, conversions that allow Georgia to win this game. On that ten-play, ninety-eight-yard touchdown drive, he completed a third and five to Ra Ra for fourteen yards. He completed a third of ten for twelve yards to Lad McConkey. It was great seeing Ladd get back out there and make some big plays. I mean, that ball went his way in big situations, and Lad McConkey delivered. Uh, Brock Bowers, best player in college football. Now let's just go ahead and say it. Caleb, apologies to Caleb Williams. We're obsessed with stats and offense. As far as football players go, Brock Bowers, the number one player in college football. 30 yard catch for Bowers in that 98 yard drive. Then you start the fourth quarter with a seven play, 71 yard touchdown drive to take the lead, 20 to 17. And all you people out there criticizing Mike Bobo that think you're an offensive coordinator, a game planner, a play caller. And look, look in the mirror when you get a chance and repeat, I am not an offensive coordinator. Mike Bobo is. He's one of the tops in college football. Whether you want to believe it or not, that is the, we're going to keep it real on this show. And Mike Bobo, one of the better game planners, play callers, coordinators, recruiters that you're going to see in college football. I know what you're doing. Many of you are shaking out. Blue, you don't know what you're talking. Yeah, well, I think I do. Bobo stepped up big. You know my favorite call out of Bobo in the game, though? I think it was like third down and one. And he lined up. Brock Bowers at running back, handed Bowers the football on an off-tackle run, and Brock Bowers looked like a running back getting the first down. And this is what you got to do. If you're a good offensive coordinator and you've got the best football player in college football is you've got to come up with ways to get him the football. Love that. Bowers at running back on a third and short. Picking up the first down on a runoff tackle, man. Just beautiful. And then you finish up the game with a seven-play, 75-yard touchdown drive to put the game on ice. And where was the ball going? DT, where'd the ball go? Bobo, what were those play calls? Where'd he have the ball going on this, this drive that put the game on ice?
3: Oh, a relatively open Brock Bowers that refused to be tackled
2: by anyone. You're right. Uh, good play construction. Uh, smart to, to find a way to get Bowers. The football had a 16-yard catch on third and 12. Again, Beck and Bobo delivering. Then you had a second and 11. That's when Bowers took it 40 yards for the touchdown. Look, he might be the best open field runner on the team. That includes the likes of Dejon
3: Edwards. We've seen Dylan Bell line up and be, Makai um, uh, Muse, is yeah. obviously very difficult to tackle himself. But I've never seen a guy, especially at the tight end position, where guys just fall off of him. He's like Mark Bavaro every every play. There's just they're literally guys hanging off of him, falling off of him every time yeah, they try to
2: tackle him. You know, Bavaro is a stiff. Uh, Bowers, I, that would just came to mind of, of Bowers is an athlete, all those guys man.
3: hanging on him. There's nothing Bowers can't do on the football field. Absolutely not, Buck. It's, it, he's one of the most complete I mean, put him at college back. football players I've ever seen. Yeah.
2: Put him at running back
3: and give him the ball on third put down and a Wide one. receiver, snap it directly to him, let him lead the other ball carriers uh, as a blocker, yeah. whatever.
2: Let's hear from Kirby talking about Brock Bowers after the ball game. I mean, who can argue that there's a better football player? Anywhere in the country, just football player. I mean, the guy has the greatest toughness and grit that I've been around, and he'll do whatever you ask him to do for this team. And uh, got a lot of respect for
1: for that guy as a competitor.
2: And what Kirby say about Carson back after the game?
1: He's never flustered. I told y'all he's like that. He doesn't. He doesn't. He's he's a calming voice out there.
3: I mean, he he, he yeah. got rid of a couple of balls. He, he he took off and ran a couple times when he needed to. And um, but. At the end of the day, Carson's a competitor. I've seen Carson do this since high school. He's
1: he's got the right makeup.
2: All right, let's set the uh, top five college football top five.
1: The best in college football and the NFL. Five, five, four, four, three, three, two, two, one, one. It's time. Top 5. Presented by your locally owned and operated Ace Hardware. Find your neighborhood store at acehardware.com. All
2: right, the college football top five for week six stays the exact same as it was for week five. I've got Florida State one; They took the weekend off and rested up. you got Michigan, number two, beat up on Nebraska. 680 could beat Nebraska. Georgia, three. Hard-fought win at Auburn. You had Texas against the top 25 opponent in Kansas. Playman at home and dominated the second half. I've got Texas four. I got Penn State's going to stay at five. 41 to 41-13 win at Northwestern. Under consideration this week, same two teams as last week, Ohio State and USC. Bucks top five on 680 The Fan, Atlanta's sports station. So that was sort of boring, right? It stayed the same. All right, I want to talk about Georgia Tech before we get back into Georgia. Georgia Tech, talk about a bad loss. You lose to Bowling Green at home, who was 1-3 at the time, coming off a big, what appeared to be a big win over Wake Forest 30-16, to 16. talking about letting the air out of the balloon. 38 unanswered points Tech allows defensively. You got a 14-7 lead, and you look up, and a few minutes later and the doors are getting blown off. And what happened after the game? Brent Key made a big change. Andrew Thacker demoted out as defensive coordinator. Promoting another assistant on defense, Shearer, promoting him to defensive coordinator. Uh, DT, I'm going to tell you, man, things are bad when you have a head coach that has to demote a coordinator in the middle of the season. And he should have demoted him, is the thing. Uh, Tech allowing big plays in the passing game uh, once they took the lead, you know, 50 yards, 30 yards, 25 yards, 30-yard run. I mean, you got – a uh, guy's running open down the middle of the field. Suddenly you can't stop the run. You, you're terrible on third down. Bowling Green, 10 of 17 on third down. You allow him to open the second half with a seven-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. Then you give up a 10-play, 86-yard touchdown drive. Then you, the offense, uh, you got to pick six that adds to the problems, and you're giving up 21 quick points, and you can't recover. 38 unanswered points at home, Buck. Jackets favored by 22 and a half against a 1-3 team. You've got a 14-7 to seven lead, and the bottom falls out. And I tell you, I'd love to have been a fly on the wall on Sunday. I'm guessing that's when it happened. Brent Key on Sunday had his meeting with Thacker and had to look him in the eye and say, I'm making a change. We're not going to fire you. We're just gonna demote you. That couldn't have been easy. But you know what? As a as a head coach, you can have a lot of moments where things aren't going to be easy. I mean, Zach Johnson could take a lesson from Brent Key here on making some tough calls. So hopefully Tech can rebound from that. Can we hear from Key talking about the defensive issues they had?
3: Couldn't get off the third down penalties. Uh, you know, tackling, uh, missed
2: assignments, uh, just you know, being being a cohesive uh, player football team. Yeah, you can tell it just it wasn't easy making that
1: move. Let's get to the roundtable. The fan is proud to be the official sports talk station of the Dogs, and it's time for Bulldog Roundtable with Buck Balloon. 25, Baloo. Twenty-five, twenty, forty-nine, fifteen, ten, five. Get in there, touchdown. Bulldog Roundtable is proudly presented by Georgia's own credit union, Georgia Pack and Load, Finley Roofing, and by attorney Ken Nugent. And that's going to be the ballgame. Georgia will win this ballgame only on The Fan, 680 and 93.7 FM.
2: Yeah, I stopped in the uh, the coffee shop this morning and the boys down there, the boys at the coffee shop, <laughs> I'll tell you what, I get a lot of content going in there. It has been one of the best things I've done here at 680 The Fan is to consistently make those quick stops into the coffee shop on the way to work and see what the boys are talking about down there. And you know what? They weren't criticizing Bobo. They weren't wondering if Carson Beck was going to step up and play ball. They were criticizing the Georgia defense. And while I was listening to this, I was thinking, uh, okay, let me check here. That's right. They, They gave up 20 points. Look around college football. And look at even some of these top teams. Top 10 USC is an example there. And look how many points they're giving up. Georgia gave up 20 points to Auburn, on the road, and people are criticizing them. Fans are going to be fans, I guess. And everybody's already worried about the Kentucky Wildcats coming into Sanford Stadium on Saturday night and running the ball at this Georgia defense. They got this guy, Ray Davis, running back for Kentucky. Did you see what he did to Florida? 26 carries, 280 yards, and three touchdowns. Let me do the math for you. Eight yards a carry so far this season. Eight yards a carry, eight touchdowns in five games. So, yeah, Georgia right now busy getting ready this week to slow down Ray Davis and this Kentucky run game. And I hope they're working on that edge defense defense. Because they sure didn't have it against Auburn. And it's a copycat league. These teams will see the video. They'll have their offensive analysts, uh, defensive analysts. They're all looking and they're putting this, compiling this information quickly. And uh, this Georgia defensive staff right now is busy uh, coaching up their guys, getting ready to coach him up on how to control Ray Davis, who started at Temple, went to Vanderbilt, and is now at Kentucky. This is his final year. He won't be able to transfer again. Kentucky really impressive with that win over the Gators, 33-14. They seem to own those guys. But uh, Kentucky's last win in Athens. DT, you think it's been a long time? Just right off the cuff. Long time? Who I'm trying to think. 2009. Yeah,
3: it doesn't seem like it was that long ago because Yeah, it's... so it's been a minute. Losing to Kentucky at home sticks out, yeah.
2: Yeah, 2009 the the last time. Bulldogs a 15-point favorite, I believe, the gambling. Folks have it. Uh, The line's set there. And uh, Georgia in a much more comfortable atmosphere. It's going to be a little bit crazy. Sanford Stadium on a Saturday night. You're going to see that light show. Fans are going to be juiced up, ready to go. Man, looking forward to it. Athens, ESPN's got it 7 o'clock on Saturday We'll be breaking it down all week. And remember, coming up a little later here on 680 The Fan, we'll have the Kirby Smart press conference. You'll hear more about the dogs and Auburn, more about looking ahead to the Kentucky showdown coming up this week. Kentucky undefeated at 5-0. and And the boys at the coffee shop, well, they are, they are, they are concerned down there about what's going to happen. I tried to tell them to relax. I don't think they know that word. All right, coming up on the other side, I know home team's been waiting. I'm going to talk a little Falcons football. And Desmond Ritter, as the Falcons fall in London and they can't get up, we'll break it down next. you got the Blue Show here on the fan, 680 and 93.7.
0: $5 minimum balance required.
5: Hey, sandwich lovers. Today is your lucky day. There's a whole new way to roll for lunch or dinner delight with Nucky's Hoagies in the Roswell Corners Shopping Center. Now open. Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell is family owned and operated by the subsisters, Stacey and Shannon, whose love language is food and Nucky's Hoagies, their passion. When you bite into a Nucky's Hoagie, you'll taste the difference. The softest hoagie rolls ever, along with hunger-quenching sandwich combinations. Make Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell on Woodstock Road your new favorite spot for lunch or dinner.
2: Got the Buck Blue Show here on the fans 680 and 93.7. And count on us come Friday for the best high school football coverage out there. It's heating up, too, uh, as we get midseason, past the midseason mark. Things are getting serious, and we got you covered on the fan. And Extra 106.3, our sister station, going to bring you live play-by-play action all season long. Best high school football action around the region, the metro Atlanta area, plus scores and highlights from around the state. want to invite you to join our team coming up Friday, 7.30, for live play-by-play coverage. We got a good one this week, man. Walton DT taking on North Cobb. Talk about good football. You're going to get it Friday night. Then stick around after the game. If you're out and about watching some Georgia high school football elsewhere, we've got the Georgia high school scoreboard show, so you can get scores and updates from around the state. We got you covered. Friday night football game of the week and the Georgia high school scoreboard show presented by Johnny's New York-style pizza, WNB Factory, Piedmont Urgent Care, and Fox 5 Atlanta. North Cobb's got that running back. DT that is going to Clemson. So Walton better, uh, I bet they're going to be practicing this week on stopping the run. In fact, that North Cobb running back was our high school player of the week last week. And that went over Milton. He had 27 carries, 326 yards and four touchdowns. And his name is uh, David Ezeomume. Ezeomume easy o I think you nailed it. That's it. easy o Clemson's getting a good one in him. Zara uh, Buck-Baloo Show Player of the Week last week. So get ready for that. All right, let's talk Falcons football while we have a chance. We're running out of time on the show. we got a couple of minutes. I don't know if I can squeeze it all in. Falcons lose in London 23-7 of the Jags. You know that. And, boy, uh, Desmond Ritter taking, taking in some water this week. I mean, this guy is getting criticized left and right. And, look, I take no joy in the fact that I was saying that he wouldn't be the savior quarterback coming into the season. I, I take, think you nailed it. I take no joy with that. Now, I was listening to the locker room coming in to, to uh, do the show this morning, and they were kicking his butt to the curb, which I predicted that too, I believe, that he would struggle early in the year then the fans that were totally behind Desmond Ritter would jump off his wagon and they'd be promoting the backup quarterback. Let's put Taylor Heineke in there. Boy, they were quick to jump off the Ritter bandwagon. Sounds like everybody's
3: thinking about the backup quarterback or the next quarterback. And it's
2: so predictable. I mean, really, that's the most predictable thing in sports. But I take no joy in criticizing Desmond Ritter. I will say, though, that you're blaming... Too much on Desmond Ritter. Where's the blame for the decision makers? I think that's where the criticism should start. And what am I talking about there? I'm talking about, well, the front office personnel that hired Arthur Smith. Where's the criticism on Rich McKay, Uh, the owner, Arthur Smith? See, I don't think Fontenot made that call by himself. I think McKay and... And Arthur Blank are involved in that decision. That's just me, yeah. That's what I believe. So that's where the criticism should start. Because they hired a guy in Arthur Smith that was selling them on the fact that he could, with his scheme, they could win with a third round pick at quarterback. Arthur Smith sold them down, sold them down the river, really. That his run first centric counterculture offensive scheme was exactly what the Falcons needed. And it's not working out. Who cares? 13 points in two games. And yet it's all Ritter's fault? Hogwash. Hogwash is what it is. Let's hear from Ritter talking about the turnovers that helped get him beat yesterday. You
5: know, I did a terrible
3: job of, you know, taking care of the ball. Um, I had two picks, obviously, wish we had back one pick six. And that changed the momentum huge of a game. Um, so, obviously, looking back, you know, obviously, I mean, we got to find a way to start faster, whatever that may be, however it is, that, that's just what we got to do. Um, then I got to do a better job to take
2: care of the ball. Well, at least Ritter manned up and took some of the responsibility. I'm impressed with that. Totally impressed with that. 'Cause you don't hear the coach taking any responsibility. Let's hear from Arthur Smith. Unfortunately the turnovers happened. But to come back from that, you know, that's where you wanna see if who can who can actually come back and, and
3: face adversity. The odds are you can't turn the ball over three times. I mean you, you lose the turnover, it's just the numbers are astronomically and they'll go against you. And that's always been life in the NFL. Right. So can it's, it's always gonna start with me and we gotta be we gotta go back objectively look
2: and right. whatever we have to do I've heard enough
3: to get this thing jump-started, that's what we're going to do.
2: Who cares? Blah, 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 coach. Blah, blah, blah.
1: All right, let's get to the final word. Time for the final word. Brought to you by Howard Brothers, keeping Georgia green since 1955. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, The college football race for the national championship, folks, is wide open.
2: This year is not one of those years where it's the SEC and everybody else. And outside the deep south, I'm sure that's a huge deal. The SEC has won four in a row, 13 of the last 17 national championships. But right now in week number six, Florida State, Texas, Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, they all appear to have a real legitimate shot to win the natty. And the word here on that is that's good for college football. There's the final word. DT, great job. Got Nick and Chris coming up next. Have a great rest of the day, everybody. Thank you Buck. Thank you for listening to the show.
1: Thank you Buck.
4: A lifetime of hard work. Children laughing in the kitchen. Family photos on a restaurant wall. A legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation. Like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC.